1: Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. I'm Manu Faith. he's Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going?
0: Yeah, good, mate. How are you? I hear, I, I feel, actually, I don't feel
1: I know that you're uh, once again globetrotting, aren't you? Yeah, I am globetrotting. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Um... Not a place that you would think has anything to do with the Bundesliga, but wait, wait. Kaiserslautern are in town. Um, and we'll get to that in a moment because while I was here, I was actually able to um, talk to Terrence Boyd, the former US men's national team striker um, and current Kaiserslautern striker, right? Um, had a fantastic season with Kaiserslautern in the second Bundesliga. And he's, they're now here to play a friendly. So I kind of double-tasked this by... Um, there's going to be a feature on Louisville City um, coming up on Transfermarkt. And of course, we're going to have a bunch of content on on Gegenpressing on Kaiserslautern as well. So um, on top of this podcast. But Stefan, um, I had Terrence Boyd for 15 minutes. So I think the plan for us was to do that as part of this bonus show. Um, also, this bonus show was planned to be the head coach of the year. Because I've been traveling um, and you've been busy with market value updates, also with TransferMarkt, both of us, right? Um, We've decided to do that next week. And on this show, talk about the German national team. And then, of course, have the Terrence Boyd interview as well as part of this podcast. Yes. And that's also partly down to Mark C., who's the only person
0: who commented on my newsletter this week to simply say, forget about Yulaine Brandt, we need to talk about Germany. So, Mark, Mm. if you're listening, uh, we're taking your advice. And, yeah. Before we get into that, though, I think it's probably worth poking some fun at me because when we got on the call just before we started recording, um, I thought you were in a completely different part of the country. Uh, I feel like my dreadful uh, knowledge of the continental United States geography seems to be a theme on this show, and... Uh, another example of that is me thinking you were in St. Louis, because with no offense to the great state of Kentucky, I didn't even know there was a Louisville, um, and yeah, so I thought you were in Missouri, which I think is where St. Louis is, I hope it is, yes. Um, yes. only to find out that uh, you're in a completely different part of the country, so there well, we go. Well, it's not
1: that far. Far by American standards I I think there's some weird sports rivalry going on between St. Louis and Louisville and I think there's also a historical connection uh, which I'm not going to say what it is because I would have to make it up because I'm not sure what it actually is I think they're both named after Louis XIV if I'm not mistaken Yeah, it makes sense if
0: they were French before the English bought them and uh, oh, what was the what was the thing called? I can't remember. I'm sure American listeners will be shouting it out through their cars. Yeah, you know right what? Now.
1: Let's 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 be careful here because if we're going to make up some shit that we have to all pay <laughs> a heavy price for in the comments. The, <laughs> the, the Louisiana <laughs>
0: Purchase, I knew it was something like that. Yeah, the Louisiana uh-huh. Purchase—that's what it was—is uh, when uh, the acquisition of territory of Louisiana by the United States from the French First Republic in 1803. Uh, mm. Today, which includes Arkansas, Iowa. Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Minnesota, Louisiana, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, oh, and so that on and so make on, sense. And so forth. Yeah, yes. that does make sense. Yes, It's French a very stuff. old
1: city for American standards, founded in 1789, I believe. Um, mm. It's actually really nice, Stefan.
0: It's actually... Um, <laughs> it's going to sound like such sort a of Scottish thing, uh, but that's actually still younger than my parents' house, which is... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's um, it is funny. It shows but the difference it, in the old world and the new world. But, 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 um, there's a good chance that some of the scotch you've been drinking, the barrels, have come from here. No, there's right? not. How dare you? Scotch is from Scotland. That is sacrosanct. But, you don't that. they use bourbon barrels for some of the scotch?
0: They do. That, You're absolutely yes. right, actually, I I was about to jump down your throat there because uh, some people accuse. Some people think scotch is just whiskey mm. rather than. From Scotland, but you're 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 absolutely spot on. I apologize. They use whiskey barrels. They also use um, uh, uh,
1: not rum. Um, uh, what's brandy? Brandy, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because like that's one of the big difference between um scotch and bourbon is that bourbon is is uh virgin barrels, right? Oak barrels, and then um scotch oftentimes uses barrels that have been used for something else previously. Um, that's my. Whisky knowledge coming through and <laughs> this Louisville being the home of bourbon um, there's a good chance that some of the Scotch you had, the barrels actually have come from here first, which is kind of cool so there mm. you go, there's your Scottish connection <laughs> Lovely, lovely um, <laughs>
0: Should we move on from American and yes. Scottish history to the, the here and now, as
1: much as Hansi Flick would probably rather we did talk about whiskey mm. for the next 30 minutes I, I, He made me drink a whiskey after the game yesterday <laughs> <laughs> or two, or three. Uh, there was Bourbon involved yesterday. I was I was pretty bad. Uh, there might be a, a good chance for a rant at some point during this podcast, Stefan. Because it's been abysmal. I get it, that it's just been friendlies, right? Um, I think of these three games, the 3-3 draw against Ukraine is probably the most excusable because that was the Benefit Spiel. It's a thousands game. It's a game against a country that's currently um, being violated by its bigger neighbor, Um, I I could sort of overlook that result, if you know what I mean, like Mm. as a singularity if it was just that, I'd be like, okay, well, whatever, it happens but then came Poland where they actually didn't play terribly but it still wasn't enough and Mm. then yesterday was just shocking Mm. Um, and I know they're all friendlies, I know it's all preparation for Euro 2024 but it's not just the results, it's also the manner of results and I do, I do think that this pool of talent is far better than the results that it's showing. And, you know, we can poke holes at this Germany team, no problem. Absolutely no problem. And, you know, if you if you put them up against another level or team that is their same level, we can say, well, this is a weakness, that is a weakness, etc. But they were playing, by all due respect, Ukraine, Poland and Colombia, right? Mm. Those are teams that they should be able to beat. And um, it is also the way they're playing Stefan that really concerns me. And I'm not sure that Flick still reaches that team.
0: Yeah, I think there's a few things going on here that really muddle up how much we can decipher from this at this moment in time, you know, because, you know, on the one hand, we have. Germany, in this really unfortunate situation where they're hosting the competition and, as such, they simply can't play any competitive games, really, um, mm-hmm. in the lead-up. I mean, I guess they can have some sort of Nations League games, I think, if I'm not mistaken, between now uh, and the tournament, obviously. Actually, I suppose they don't, actually. No. I don't think anything's scheduled yet, no. Um, and, look, we've seen nation, uh, host nations go through this quite a lot. You know, Brazil come to mind uh, in, in the lead-up to their World Cup, where... You know, they were struggling to kind of pull things together because they just can't really gauge how good they are when they're not playing competitive matches. And on top of that, um, yeah, this rung of fixtures was just a dreadful example of that. Obviously, I mean, you're absolutely right with the Ukraine game, actually. I think Scotland, uh, I went to watch Scotland play Ukraine, actually, and it's a similar sort of thing whereby, um, you know, after the war started, and it was a similar sort of thing in the sense that you kind of, can't really take it obviously as a serious result or a serious game um and there's obviously so much more going on besides the football i think we could even really push the polling game into that as well if you consider the fact that it was basically a glorified testimonial for Jakob lasikovsky who yeah. came off after 15 minutes the entire match stopped he gets a guard of honor and there's even like dj sets and you know stages behind the goals and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. by no means like a competitive environment Uh, and then as you said the columbia game which i think probably did a really good job of just kind of underlining how kind of off the pace this germany team are an issue as well is even if they did have competitive games even if they did have you know maybe their tactics all spot on and the players were all you know facing the same direction or whatever it is then we're still at the very end of a season where so many players will be absolutely exhausted. Um, And it just feels to me like the worst time to try and pull together a national team. Um, Having said all that, there are clearly big issues with this Germany team. And Mm. I just can't really look beyond the kind of crop of players that Hansi Flick has to play with here. And I'm just not entirely sure how much we should be expecting from them because, I kind of feel like when it comes to international football, every team, regardless of whether like minnows who are punched above their way and turn into these kind of underdogs at tournaments, or even if we're talking about the biggest nations in the world, the Brazils, the Frances, the Italys, the Englands, whatever of this world, they always have to be better than the sum of their parts. Everyone has to be playing well. Everyone has to be fitting into that fun- that system. Everyone just kind of has to be on the same page you know even teams who have tremendous individual talent like france with mbappe or argentina with lino messi they still have Mm. to fit into a system now maybe that system is catered to them and gets the best out of them but it's still a system that works in the same in the in a in a certain way and it just feels to me like flick hasn't really found a system yet for these players because and and but i also feel like that might be even more difficult to do because you know, I just kind of look at those last three games and every single lineup is just peppered with players who are either past it, completely out of form, coming off the back of really disappointing seasons or, you know, just simply aren't good enough. You know, you look at the team against Ukraine, for example, right, You've got Schlotterbeck in defence, uh, David Rahm at left left wing back right in front of him, uh, Goretzka had a poor season, Sani off hot and cold uh marius wolf at right wing back who would have thought he'd be leading the line for germany i know he's had a decent game season for dortmund but you know it, it it's still a lot of ifs and buts you then go to the poland game uh where i actually thought germany's best player was perhaps kai havertz who at times seemed like the only player who actually knew what he was doing or was able to kind of pull off what he was trying to do um but you've got him up front you're kind of hoping for the best even though he's only scored a handful of goals this season someone like Benjamin Henricks is having to fill in at left wing back Kimmich and Can in the middle of the park Kimmich has obviously came up with a lot of criticism as well um, and then you go to that Columbia game as well the, the lineup where you've got Marius Wolf and, and Gosens as the as the fullbacks who are both suspect at best in my opinion defensively again Gareska slotted in there in central midfield has had a terrible season um, you know, Leroy Sani there, Kai Havertz, I, get, it, it, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, it, for, for Germany to play well and for the entire team to play well, Hansi Flick is basically in every single match here hoping that five or six players uncharacteri- uncharacteristically play out their skin. You know, he's expecting things that so many of these players that they just haven't shown either this season or ever for Germany and it just feels to me like too many ifs and buts when you can, and, you know, I do I, I do genuinely wonder if the, the, the issue that Germany I are just dealing with here is they just don't really have the strength and depth that they used to have back in the day, mm. maybe as a player's injury, and, and and I think what maybe even tees this all up is the reports that he wants to bring Thomas Muller and Manuel Neuer back, and, I mean, with all due respect to both of them, they're both tremendous players in their day, and I'm sure they're still very useful for Bayern whether Manuel Neuer should be playing for Bayern next season, whether Thomas Muller should be playing for Bayern next season. An entirely different podcast, but it feels to me like there's too many... Flick is having to paper over too many cracks in the team, if that makes sense.